Welcome into Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Casey Phillips here with senior writer and editor Scott Smith. And this is where we answer all of your questions, which the offseason is actually some of the most fun times I feel like to do this show because we get to just talk about anything and everything in terms of all the different players and options and draft and all the things that are changing draft. going on. The draft is 90% sure. of it for sure. Uh, so as we give people a chance to start submitting their questions in the comment section, I uh, want to start with the uh, all-rookie team yeah, that got announced. That was cool. got, got some Buccaneers in there. Yeah, two of them. In fact, it was our first two picks. So obviously the Buccaneers went into that draft last April with the intention of uh, restocking the defense, right? Almost every pick was defense except for Matt Gay, the kicker, and, and Scotty Miller, the late receiver that they took. And the first two picks were Devin White and, and Sean Murphy Bunting, and the fact that they both made the all-rookie team is definitely a good sign that these guys are going to be the cornerstones that you're hoping to get for a long time. And I honestly think Jamel Dean would have had a really good shot at it, too, if he got to be in the lineup a little bit sooner. I mean, his right. his run, stretch run, down the end, was he was probably playing at least as well as Sean was. It's just his body of work was a lot smaller. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Um, and we also hadn't really talked about some of the news that could affect our division a lot is the the Carolina Panthers now have several new changes. Season of change for them. Yes, that yes. I we, we just didn't get to it last week about the new coaching hire, but then, of course, now new news about Luke Keekley retiring. So, overall, I just wanted yeah. to hear your thoughts about all the things that could look different with the Panthers and how that might affect the Bucks. Well, I mean, obviously a new head coach is going to put a whole new stamp on it. Uh, Ron Rivera came in with the um, defensive background. He had a lot of success being a, a defensive coach before he got his head coaching gig. And, and Carolina's defense has been pretty good for most of his tenure there. I mean, they were pretty – you know, they went a little up and down and went several different directions on offense through the years, but the defense was always pretty good. But that was with Ron Rivera there, and that was with Luke Keekley in the middle, um, just one of the best players in the league since 2012. And, uh, yeah, that was kind of a surprise. I mean, right. I, I – you and I can't really speculate as the reason why he didn't say so. If he chooses at some point to to be more specific, that's up to him. But obviously you have to look back at his injury, his, his, his history of concussions and wonder if that had something to do right. with it. And if so, that's a shame. Um, you know, we're not going to sit here and, and be happy about a player having to retire, although I guess we can be happy that he made the decision that he wants for himself. But, yes, for the Buccaneers, that means a very different-looking Panthers team they're going to face twice a year. All right. Well, I wanted to talk about the idea of now that we're at the end of the season, um, how much progress essentially was made in some different areas. So I figured we kind of go through some of the different positions and see looking okay. at from the beginning of the year to the end of the year where the you know a lot of progress <clears throat> had been made. And since we just talked about – that all rookie team, I guess we can start, especially on the defensive yeah. side of things. So, um, how about we start with either, you know, the how about the DBs? Because we talked a little bit yeah. about Sean making that team and right. just overall how the DBs as a whole, safety and corner, seem to progress yeah. over the course that of the season. That was the progression that was made because, pretty, if you look at it, the front seven was pretty much good the entire season, particularly the defensive line. You know, you had the injury with Devin White early on, and that cost him about a month. Uh, actually, Kevin Minner did a, did a pretty good job of filling in, but still you wanted Devin in there. He's such a playmaker. Uh, but that front seven, the, the way they handled the run, the pressure on the quarterback was pretty good early on, and it was pretty good throughout the year, 47 sacks when it was all said and done, which is the second most we've ever had. So mm -hmm. that's a success. However, the secondary in the early going – you know, you looked at that and said, man, this feels just like the last couple of years. They just can't really stop anybody. And we've put all these resources, draft resources primarily, into the cornerback and safety positions in the last few years. And we're not getting the results. But and we've we've harked back to this several times. Uh, the, the thing that Bruce Arians said eh, probably about August 20th, somewhere kind of late August when he said it was about when camp was wrapping up, when he said that he thought the secondary was fixed and uh, we came to understand uh, that what he probably specifically meant was the talent issue was fixed there. He thought they had 
gotten that position to a level where they had enough talent to be able to succeed. And so when you saw it actually start to come together, you're like, okay, now I get it. I mean, it wasn't – I think they thought it was going to come together a little bit quicker right? with Todd Bowles running a new defense, and, and that ended up being really, really good as it turned out. Uh, but it, it didn't come together as quickly as you thought, but it did come together. Mm-hmm. And so by maybe week nine on, you saw a secondary that – was doing things that we haven't seen here a lot. You know, there's been these years recently where it could be frustrating watching our secondary because it seemed like it was very passive, that guys really gave a lot of cushion. It'd be third and seven, and they're playing 10 yards off. Right. And you're like, this defense under Todd Bowles is not at all passive. They do a lot of different things in terms of blitzing. They do a lot more man coverage than we saw before, although not exclusively man coverage. And we just, our guys just got their hands on the football a ton more than we'd seen in a long time in the second half of the season. So it's probably not, it's probably not right to say that it's completely over the hump. They they still have some learning to do. This is still young guys. Mm-hmm. You know, when Carlton. It almost feels like Carlton Davis is a veteran, but he was only a second-year player last right. year. So there's a, there's still a lot of growing for those guys to do, but they do appear to have gelled. And, and you know, they got a whole nother offseason now. I think they're going to hit the ground running in 2020. That's a great point. All right, we're going to combine. Uh, we'll switch over to the offensive side, and I want to hear your thoughts on the offensive line as a whole. But pair it with uh, – we got this question here with from John who said, is there a left tackle in the first round that you think could be good enough to take at our spot in the draft? And do you think the Bucks would be willing to move Donovan Smith to right tackle? I'm not so sure about that. I think the more obvious approach would be to take a guy that you think is a plug-and-play guy right away at right tackle. And, you know, DeMar Dotson has been a very good tackle for us for pretty much a decade whenever he's been healthy. But he is a free agent, and he is like the most senior guy on the team. So it's reasonable to expect you could possibly have a new starter there next year, right? Mm -hmm. As much as we love DeMar. You know, Bruce right. called him a warrior. Bruce said lots of really nice things about him. But you have to face the facts. It's possible you'll be getting a new starter at right tackle. It seems to me to make more sense to get a guy that you think could potentially be a left tackle in the future but definitely could start at right tackle right now because you do have Donovan Smith under contract for this year and next year. I know the team uh, likes Donovan Smith. They've said that all along. So I think they feel pretty good about Donovan at left tackle. But there's nothing wrong with bringing a guy that could be the future there. Right. So you, you bring him in at right tackle, you know, maybe like a I was Tristan Wirfs or somebody like that. And I do think that this draft with us picking 14th and the depth of offensive tackle in this particular draft, that it really works out well that there's a good chance somebody like him will be available. Interesting. So I think that's okay. a really good idea. Uh, Austin had brought up uh, Carson Palmer was interviewed about, you mm-hmm. know, his first year under Bruce yeah. Arians. And he talked about how it was tougher than most you know that the first year there that he had a a career high number of interceptions Uh, so Austin said if Winston cuts down to 15 to 18 interceptions do you agree that we could be a 10 to 11 win team with playoffs absolutely for sure I mean we're talking if it's 15 that's cutting them in half Mm -hmm. and that's a huge gain uh yes I, I think I've said the same thing if you take what he did and then cut the interceptions in half yeah I think that's that's probably enough for a couple wins right there for sure you know it's a big if right yeah I I do think I think people are right to listen to Carson Palmer and have some optimism about that because he has been in the exact Mm -hmm. same situation but we also have to remember that just because it happened that one time doesn't necessarily guarantee that's going to happen again so it's it's encouraging but it's just one it's not a definite predictor yeah right um Mike had asked do you foresee any change in the coaching staff well, the only reason I would say it's possible is that what, what do we have, like 30 coaches, 35, something yeah. like that, just a gigantic a coaching staff. So you never know if somebody could get another job somewhere, but I don't think that 
Bruce Arians went into the offseason intending to make changes on the coaching staff. Okay. Uh, DeAndre asked, uh, what is our biggest need going into draft evaluations? Like position? I think so, yeah. Well, some of that's going to depend on what happens in free agency because, again, we have 19 pending unrestricted free agents, and surely not all those guys are going to be back. You know, Bruce Arians made it clear that it's his priority to get to keep that defensive front seven intact, and, and that's also while not really discussing what are you going to do at quarterback, right? Because that's right. probably the number one priority. Call it 1A and 1B. So uh, depending on what happens with all those free agents, you could see outside linebacker, interior defensive line becoming more important in the draft if you don't get as many of them back as you want to. Otherwise, I'll go back to what we were talking about before, I think, offensive tackle. The Bucks haven't drafted an offensive tackle or an offensive lineman in the first round since 2006, and that was a guard. Um, Davin Joseph, and they haven't drafted an offensive tackle in the first right. round since 2001. It, it feels, it just kind of feels like it's time. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's a great point. Um, we, I had Johnny ask something about the idea of the the multiple tight ends, and if they're still the guys that fit this system, and just overall what we think the tight ends could be moving forward. You do wonder. You really do. Now, on one hand, OJ Howard played his highest percentage of of offensive snaps in his career, so it wasn't that. Bruce Arians didn't want him on the field, and we used plenty of two tight end stuff. You saw Cam get a good mm-hmm. Cam break, get a good amount of action, and before he got hurt, Anthony O'Claire was playing a pretty good amount because they really think, just like the previous administration, they really think he's a very good blocker. You know, mm-hmm. hasn't proven to be much of a threat in the passing game as of yet, uh, but the numbers just really weren't there, and the offense put up gigantic numbers. Right, and you know, I've said this this before: the whole rising tide lifts all boats. You think. Yeah, we're getting so much out of receivers, but the offense is so prolific that this should create more opportunities for the tight ends. And it just, it really just kind of didn't happen, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then looking back at at Bruce Arians' team's numbers during his time as the Cardinals head coach, there really isn't a lot jumping off the page from the tight ends. And, And as he came here, the the line of thinking was, well, he never really had a pair of tight ends like O.J. Howard and Cam Bray. And I think that's true. But now after a season, you have to look and go, maybe some of it does have to do with scheme. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting point. Um, we had Travis ask, uh, who do you think our first free agent signing will be? Well, if I have to pick, I'd guess Shaq Barrett. Um, it does feel like the Jameis Winston thing is so complicated that I feel like that one's going to take some time, and it could even take a tag, mm-hmm. you know, which can draw things out. Right. Even if you're trying to sign a guy to an ex- to a longer-term contract, sometimes you use the tag just to give you more time and, you know, to keep your leverage or keep your exclusive negotiating mm-hmm. rights. Shaq, it just – I go back to how many times over the last month either he or Bruce Aarons was asked about Shaq Barrett in 2020, and every time – both those guys made it very clear they absolutely wanted him to still be here in 2020 and right. beyond. And and Shaq doesn't want to move. He wants to be here. He, he should, and, and I'm sure he does want to get paid and will get paid. But I think that's the one that it just felt like more more progress was being made. Right. So that would be my guess. Uh, Rob said, if one of the top quarterbacks are left when our draft pick comes up, will we take them? Well, again, it's, ask me again after I find out what we did with Jameis. Mm-hmm. No. If, yeah. if we franchised or signed Jameis, then no, I, I don't think so. Um, but if not, then possibly, yeah. Uh, we talked a little bit about the tight ends. Uh, David had asked, do you see O.J. 
or Cam being traded? Which one's basically more likely to be traded? I doubt that Cam Brate would be traded just because he does have a fairly sizable contract, and uh, so that makes it harder for him to be traded. Um, OJ, yeah, it's possible. I, that, those rumors have been around for so long that sometimes you think where there's smoke, maybe there's a little fire. Uh, if I'm a betting man, though, I would guess no on both of them. Right. And, and just for one thing, trades are not all that common, and I say this all the time. Mm-hmm. So if you're gonna if you're gonna bet, you, you're usually safer to bet on no. No, no trade happening. Trade. Uh, we had back-to-back questions about Scotty Miller. Mike asked, uh, with the expected progression of Scotty Miller, is Perriman expendable? No. And and then Scotty, not Scotty Miller. Scotty is uh-huh. a different Scotty. Asked, uh, do you think that Perriman will be signed to a big deal? So we had sort of the Scotty Miller, Brashad <sighs> Perriman, who's yeah, I'll start with the second one. That's going to be tough. It really is because, okay, you do have somewhere in the 90 to $95 million cap space available as you start, as you head into the offseason now, but then you have to sign potentially Jameis, Shaq, Dominican Sue, JPP. You, got a, you also want to get Chris Godwin to an extension. This is when we can start working on an extension right. for Chris Godwin. Uh, and, and it has been, Bruce has said that, yes, that is a, a – a priority. So you already have a big contract on Mike Evans. You're probably going to have a big contract on Chris Godwin, who by some measures was the best receiver in football this year. And so to say you're going to do an, a third big contract on a receiver, I, he deserves it, He and I'd love to have him back, but it, it would surprise me if Brashad Perryman got a huge contract here. Right. Um, just because that'd be three receivers yeah. with that. And Scotty Miller was coming along quite nicely. I don't know if they're the exact type of player, though. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, when Jameis, I'm sorry, when Mike Evans and Chris Godwin both got hurt, Brashad Perryman, nobody knew if he could flourish as a number mm-hmm. one receiver, but now we do know. He, and he's a big guy like Mike. He's, he can make all those contested catches on the sideline and stuff like that. And I don't think Scotty Miller is that same type of receiver. Yeah. So I, I don't think they're apple. I think they're apples and oranges. Okay. And we'll close with this one. John asked, who do you think could be a cap casualty? I, I don't really like this question. You know, um, the, I threw out a name earlier. Uh, Cam Brate mm-hmm. because he does have a high contract number, um, but we love Cam Brate. Right. <laughs> I don't want to see any of our guys be cap casualties. Uh, I don't think there's a lot of that right now. I don't think we're in a position where we're going to have to do a lot of that. Okay. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us on this edition of Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Thanks, as always, for watching and for contributing your questions. And next week we'll be doing the show out at the Pro Bowl, so make sure you tune in then.